0: So welcome to another episode of the Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. Today, Gemma and I are joined by Gustav Martner, who is the head of creative at Greenpeace Nordic. Welcome, Gustav. Wonderful to have you here.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So before we get started about uh, talk, our conversation that we're going to have today, it would be really fantastic to find out a little bit about more about you, Gustav, and the work um, that has led you to become the head of creative at Greenpeace and Audit.
1: Okay, so where to start? I, uh, I played in punk rock bands when I was a teenager. Uh, as a punk rocker, you... Uh, do things yourself you don't look for a record label to sign you you, you uh make your own records and sell them at gigs you uh, so it was a do it yourself culture that i really uh loved and when i saw you know computers coming into the world <laughs> uh, like the personal computer and so i realized that that was a tool that was really good if you wanted to create stuff yourself so i so it was basically computers to me was an extension of the do-it-yourself culture, and yeah. uh, that led me to start uh, another band. But instead of uh, being a musical band, it was uh, an agency. But we kind of saw it more like a band uh, where we we created uh, stuff. Now, in order to get some money and for you know food on the table and beer in the evening, uh, we realized that it was good to do some consultancy work, and that led to. Uh, doing more and more for companies that led to do more and more advertising. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, I realized that we were running a pretty successful advertising agency with a digital focus. Uh, in So in 2009 or something like that, we had uh, 55 employees, uh, offices in uh, Gothenburg, Stockholm, and San Francisco. We were one of the most awarded agencies uh, in Europe at the time. And, uh, yeah, I just realized that, wow, this has been quite a journey, but where am I, you know, and what am I doing? And at the same time as the assignments had, uh, kind of changed in nature a little bit and become more and more less and less playful, more and more, uh, like, uh, you know, commercial in many ways and yep. many aspects uh there were two other things that happened and one one was that we realized that the internet was was going from being this uh um uh, distributed uh playground where every server was worth as much as the other server <laughs> and it could be owned by anyone pretty much that could connect them they got it got centralized to the internet that we see to a large extent today yeah uh, where there are a few players that owns uh, a cloud and that cloud is controlled uh, through a user experience uh, such as Facebook or Google or YouTube, uh, which give them a, like a control over creativity and messaging and, uh, and stuff that, that felt a little bit scary and uh, weird and not as, mm-hmm. at all as the kind of uh, environment that I really loved. Uh, the other thing that happened was that Al Gore's "An Inconvenient Truth" came, mm. and that yeah. really made me think that we need to uh, use a reduction of CO two as an opportunity. I didn't see it as a threat, really. I thought saw it more as an opportunity for businesses to change, because I had no idea that we would end up in a situation where they wouldn't change. Because at the time. Change just felt like a good thing. It didn't feel like a like a like a trade off. Even it felt yeah. like, yeah, of course, of course, we want to you know uh, use this opportunity to create a better society, a better life. Uh, so those two things happened at the same time, and also the fact that I realized that I got older and I was uh, at the time thirty five or something like that. Maybe third, no, thirty. I was thirty, and I felt like. Do I want to work with advertising the rest of my life or do I want to do something else? Uh, I mean, if I want to do something else, it's time to start planning for that. So, together with my friends, we decided to sell the agency. We did. Uh, we got acquired by Chris Uh, And uh, that really changed my life in many ways, uh, not uh, only to the better. Uh, even though I got some money, uh, I also got like a really hectic. Uh, were a job where like I was flying around in the world being this uh a creative, uh, you know, superstar slash uh, workhorse, uh, that never met my children, and uh, yeah, it was pretty bad, everything. And I just realized, like, yeah, everything is going in the wrong direction in many ways, so I decided to change my, my life and career, and uh, yeah, that ended up me realizing that if there is anything that I should avoid, is to be in a structure where the money comes from companies because it's I'm pretty Marxistic in that way that I believe that uh, where the money comes from will create the culture as a superstructure. Yeah. So uh, my dream became to work for Greenpeace because Greenpeace is radical and our and, and activists and all that, which is cool. But more importantly, Greenpeace only takes money from people. We don't take money from companies. We don't take money from the state, which I believe is a good starting point yeah. for uh, what I wanted to be a part of because I didn't want to be a part of venture capital-backed operations. I didn't want to be a part of of all these things that had made me so disappointed. So uh, that's why I really tried to get a job at Greenpeace. Uh, at that point, I had, I didn't had an employment in my entire life because I started a company when I was 20, right? Yeah. So I didn't know how it was to apply for a job. I didn't know how it was to have a boss. Uh, I got a job at Greenpeace, uh, and the first six months it was, uh, yeah, it didn't work out very well because I was a terrible employee. I think, uh, but I tried my best. Uh, uh, but I have a really good, uh, good team around me, and uh, and uh, the, the leadership in Greenpeace Nordic is very, very good. So after six months, they said we're probably going to restructure a little bit around you, Gustav. We're yeah. going to take away a few things that you are not really good at. And then we're going to make you focus on one thing, and that is creativity and try to leverage creativity to make our campaigns stronger. Yep. And the other thing you also know a little bit about is... uh how marketing works, so you, we can use your knowledge to yeah. uh, in our campaigns. That is about toxification uh, of uh, of uh, stupid branding messages, uh, greenwashing, and also this idea that I was a part of uh, coming up with, and that was the fossil ad ban campaign. Yep. Uh, and from that time on, it's been just super super nice for me to work at Greenpeace. It's perfect. So now I'm a creative. I'm also an activist, uh, and uh, occasionally doing actions
2: and that's the thing isn't it it's about you know you said it's it's for the people and by the people and i think business forgets the power people have you know and i think we had a we had a guest on uh, adam from a company called where from and he said that every pound we now choose to uh invest in organizations is us making the decision as to whether they have a future and whether they continue to exist and i don't think that they really appreciate the power when we all come together of of what we can do Yeah. now
1: and since that is such a huge risk for them yeah uh, they also mitigate that risk by manipulating us yes a lot. Uh, so yeah definitely and they have uh, constantly been dismantling everything that is built for the people uh, because they know it's, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote, dangerous for their business with a powerful structure that is not commercial. So therefore, they commercialize everything. Uh, and uh, I think that is a huge uh, threat against uh, society and in the end, themselves.
2: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you came to our attention and indeed, a lot of people's attention uh, following your recent stance uh, at Cannes. And as a former award winner during the opening ceremony, you got up on stage and handed your award back and rolled out a banner, which I absolutely and Michelle absolutely adored, which is no awards on a dead planet, which protesting the industry's habit of working with fossil fuel and high carbon clients Can you tell us a little bit about that moment and what drove you to that moment and then the kind of the reaction and what's happened since?
1: So so Greenpeace are working with a lot of different areas uh, and they're all obviously connected somehow. But there has been, I think, a lot of campaigning that has been about uh, stopping things uh, and uh, doing intervention against, for example, fossil infrastructure. Yep. Um, one campaign I worked with a lot here in the Nordics was to stop a build-out of a refinery. Well, And I think it was great that we managed to stop that build-out. But all the way during the processes of those campaigns, you kind of every now and then think about, okay, but can we somehow change this uh, higher up in the waterfall? <laughs> or, you know, can we yeah. stop this before there is even a demand for a refinery? Um, and then it's obviously a very good idea to look at what is really driving uh, superficial or artificial demand, if you like. I don't know if that's the correct meaning. I'm, I'm not a yeah. native English speaker, but the, the kind of demand that is is uh, more, you know, jamming with culture. So so the culture is uh, in, aligning with uh, your business needs. That kind of advertising, lifestyle advertising, etc. That is something that we need to regulate so that there's not even a point in building a refinery, I think. Yeah, And we didn't have so many of those campaigns. So that's why I was really happy when uh, the Fossil Ad Ban campaign became a part of our uh, Fossil Free Revolution campaign, which is like the bigger umbrella for all the interventions we do against uh, the the fossil fuel industries. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that we haven't worked so much with, with, uh, with these issues is because it's pretty new to the scientific community that this plays such a huge role. Uh, we have had scientists working with like, modeling and scenarios and measurements and all that on so many things like livestock and uh you know fossils and you know even how much uh, is emitted from the ground if you uh, if you making you know uh, land area dry instead of wet you know there's so yep. many things we know we know exactly how this works but there hasn't been much research done on how much like if you do a campaign to make people travel on Valentine's Day instead of going out for a dinner on Valentine's Day. What a, what difference does it make? Mm. Because I don't think people understand that that's what advertising is doing. Some people seem to think that advertising is only about, okay, there is a need. I need to fly somewhere. And then advertising is uh, giving me a few offers. You can go with company A, B, and C, and here are different uh, 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 you know things that are good or bad. Or you, know, you can go with this cheap one, or you can go with this slightly more expensive and uh, convenient one, blah, blah. What they don't understand is that marketing is very little about that. It's much more about changing culture so it aligns with your business model because you make much more money if you don't compete with something. Uh, instead, it's better to be unique that's why most brands are built on a unique idea and try to create a unique culture around the brand now that's totally okay i'm not against that nope. but i'm against that if that culture is 100% wrecking the planet which yeah. unnecessary flying uh unnecessarily big cars with combustion engines you know all these things are uh totally you know it's it's just obscene like that it's even allowed, but this is a pretty new idea and most people don't understand that mm. this is how uh, marketing works and uh, it's usually you hear people say well, advertising is not affecting me. <laughs> I was like, well, that's interesting yeah, yeah. because we're like companies are investing billions. Yeah. So I guess you should tell them so they stop investing those billions. Then use it for something better.
2: <laughs> it's absolutely true. And I was reading, where was, I was reading Johan Hari's uh, Lost Connections and um, recently finished it. And he talks about a city where, I think it was Sao Paulo or somewhere where they banned all outdoor advertising, removed everything because the city, the buildings were covered in it. And actually the mental health of that city went up and people were happier. They noticed the buildings, they weren't being bombarded with messaging. So whether whether we know it or like it, you know, or even acknowledge it, some of that messaging gets through and I think it's it's most of it's subliminal because no one stands there and actually reads it but uh, yeah to your point you can say I'm not affected by advertising but yeah we absolutely are otherwise we wouldn't you know have this mental health crisis that we have really
1: and so so that that was the campaign and the start of the campaign now when you're campaigning you do so many things and most of the things that you are that we do when we're campaigning is things that not so many people see, you know, all the contacts you have with uh, uh, trade bodies and politicians yep. and supporters uh, and and all that. But you also need to make, make people aware, you need to make politicians aware, you need to make an industry aware. So then we need to come up with ideas on how to put uh, a new issue on the agenda. And then basically, the team asked me because I was You know, one of the 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 persons in the team that had most experience from uh, operating in the ad industry, they basically asked me, "What are the big platforms for uh, sending a message to the ad industry or engaging with the ad industry?" And I basically gave them a short list where, uh, you know, South by Southwest and Can Lions and a few other platforms and media were on the list. and And then they said, "Well, Can Lions sounds like the best one because it's in Europe and uh, our." Uh, Initiative is focusing on Europe at the moment to a large extent, even though we're working globally, but uh, we want to affect the European Union. So, yeah, CanLion sounds like a great platform. Then the next question is, so what do we do there? And uh, we had uh, a few ideas on how we could uh, make uh, our voice heard and our supporters heard uh, in Cannes. It's not easy because there's a lot of players that want to be heard in cat, <laughs> so we didn't go there mm-hmm. with one idea we We went there with quite a few concepts because we didn't know which would stick and already during the week, we had no idea that me returning the lion would would make any noise that i i mean it could have been that they just ignored it and said like, okay, uh, would you mind going away? And no one cared and just like, or I could just be stopped before even coming on stage. So it was like, it was more like, uh, yeah, that's a, that's an idea. We could do that. It wasn't uh, perceived as the, the big thing. But if you look at what we achieved in Cannes, uh, that together with the other actions, uh, it seemed, and especially for, I think, the industry, for, for people outside of the industry it, it maybe wasn't that big but for people in the industry yep. that understands the value of a lion you know and yep. how how much struggle it is to to get a lion for them I think it's uh it it's it's it feel like emotionally they can yep. emotionally connect with this the idea came I think when we 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 look we look a lot. I mean, when I work creatively, I, I really like to look at history. Uh, and one uh, story that really connected with me emotionally was when uh, Vietnam veterans were throwing their medals at the White House in protest against the war. Uh, now, I have not been to a war, and I'm glad that I'm not uh, have been to a war. But I've got a sign of achievement from. Uh, authorities. And I believe that, that is, uh, awards yeah. have that role. So I kind of felt like maybe that model could be used. Uh, and I think that's what made us feel like it would make sense to do something like that.
0: And it was very powerful. It was, you know, there was a lot of. Uh, it, it seemed to change the narrative at, at Can Leon from 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 what we were saying, looking outside in, and and many people reporting afterwards. There were so many articles that were picked up about that particular action. Um, because there were people, I think Clean Clip creatives were there as well. Weren't they showcasing that you could look in the mirror and is yeah. this me? You know, they had various... Uh, great uh, stuff.
1: I love there also that you could like uh, choose. So like if you want to work for the fossil industry, go left. If you want yeah. to like, yeah. just place in the middle of there, uh, like it's amazing. I, I just love those really... To the point concept. Uh,
0: absolutely, and and so of course that aligned. And uh, purpose disruptors. They, they were, speaker. They were invited to be the secret speaker, and of course they were talking all about uh, you know the good life and and what people really want, which is is which goes back to your point, Gustav, about that we're fed this information. It's a construct, isn't it? It's not necessarily what what we want or what makes us happy or or well even. So. So there has been from there at that time, a fallout and a shift in the industry. And there seems to be this growing movement within the ad industry about supporting this move away from fossil fuels. I mean, it hasn't really been a conversation that's that's been as general as it now is. So do you see that, you know, do you see what's your view on what more is needed to bring about some Significant and indeed urgent change that's required with regards to uh, how we are. I I mean, yesterday I had a conversation uh, with um, with the Carbon Collective uh, over in the US, and they and they were saying that really this shift to renewable energies and the, the the sooner we can get there, it's such a fantastic opportunity. And and like you said, you know, you when you were looking at these technologies, a little bit like digital technologies if if we're all moving in this positive techni- technical you know perspective why aren't we moving that quickly with regards to these innovations you know why is there this tension and of course it all comes down to profitability and so what's your view Because you're right, behaviour change is what we're talking about here, getting into the hearts and minds of people, making them aware, uh, because obviously many people, including Gemma and ourselves, before we really started reading and researching, have been blissfully unaware of many of these real challenges that that we now all face. So marketing has a role to play and and communications and advertising in, you know, if we can be powerful in creating these awesome... Or, or aligning with these constructs, how can we be disruptive uh, around those constructs from a marketing
1: perspective? I think, like, I don't think the solution okay. is only changing to renewables or to uh, to new technology. I don't think there is a techno fix that can solve this. If even if there were a techno fix, it's too late now. Mm. Uh, I think. Ten or fifteen years ago, that conversation uh, made more sense. today we need to uh consume less, reduce yeah. uh, energy energy consumption yeah and not necessarily add something else into to replace that. if there is anything that should replace it it's it's more you know sitting with your friends and and you know do do something nice and you know these uh, fluffy stuff like you know. Hanging out in the in the woods, or you know, going for a walk, and you know, make love, <laughs> you know, those things is what we need to add yeah. instead of another commercial service. Yeah. The problem with that is that 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 is not what what you know the system is uh, promoting, or the system will. Uh, um, I mean, we have an election coming up here in Sweden in three weeks' times, and it would be. I think politically hard to to uh, go with a message that people should work less, uh love more. You know, that kind of uh, messaging is is not not possible for any party uh here in in Sweden and it seems to be the same everywhere, which is weird because technology has given us that opportunity to have better lives, uh but we are not using it that way. And I have no, you know, solution that is like a silver bullet for that. But I do believe that that if we don't if we don't do it, we can't we can't fix this. It, there is you cannot only change your stressed behavior from uh, fossil driven stress behavior to uh, you know Tesla and BS stress like you need to change your lifestyle and it needs to be changed on a system level.
2: Absolutely, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And you know, I think also you say that you you have an election coming up in the UK at the moment. Uh, energy energy prices are an all time high. They're getting higher. People can't afford to eat. Uh, we know that there's coastline that's going to be disappearing, and with that, people's houses. I mean, the impacts coming over to the west, and the west hasn't, you know, hasn't experienced this yet, has it? Food prices are going through the roof. I think society is kind of at a breaking point, certainly in the UK, and I know many other countries are experiencing it. So I think you know it's as you say, it's about it's about changing our lives. We've hit that point, that barrier now, haven't we? Where we have to change. We can't just keep papering over the cracks. Um, and I think this has really shone a light on the fossil fuel industry that they they keep announcing record profits at a time when society is absolutely broken. Mm. And I think we have a we have to change, as you say now, um, and those harmful and impactful industries have to change. And you know, I think it's time for the people to to really speak up and shout and say that they're not going to put up with it anymore. I just, I think we all need to become a bit a bit more activist you know, like yourself. To be honest,
1: yeah. And I, I but the problem is that if, for example, if we owned uh, the companies, we could uh, more easily uh, change them. Now. The, the 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 structure is obviously it's it's a privately owned. A lot of the actors that are the most uh, damaging, and they're not only owned by uh, they're also owned by structures that are located outside uh, a legislation where people have power. They're global companies, and they're very very hard for people to, you know, how how are you going to change like a global. A huge company that is owned by some anonymous uh, billionaires, it's easier to change something where you have a stake in it yeah and and this is a structure that has uh, emerged, and it's really hard to uh, to change that for even a politician in power. So here we have uh, a huge challenge for politicians, and it needs to be solved at a pretty high level, <laughs> if you like. Yep. Uh, and we need to make interventions where you s- like. You, we need to shift money. There are billions that need to be shifted. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe it's hard to achieve that. But if we don't, we will, to your point, uh, get to a point where there is not much to save. <laughs>
2: absolutely and when it, when it comes to business being that critical driver for change because you know it is seen as being that that driver on a, on a big level who in your opinion is you know making progress which brands or industries do, do you think are are doing good and are actually you know doing what they say they're doing which is trying greenpeace <laughs> <laughs> apart from the apart from greenpeace and the ngos and and the, you know the the the, the com- more commercial Brands. Do you think anybody stands out?
1: There are a few in the food sector. There are a few brands that are, uh, I believe, taking the opportunity to use advertising instead of just saying you can have it all. They're actually saying no, you can't have it all. You can have our product, uh, and, and, and but you should get rid of that product. You know, more like an aggressive marketing campaign to kick out an old. A uh, CO two heavy um, grocery or a uh, CO two heavy um, uh, product in in the food store um, that could help. Uh, I I think that is one of the problems that not only do we have um, um, marketing that says that you can have it all. They're they're not even competing against the old uh, products. So not yeah. even the innovators are aggressively. Trying to uh, make an old product go out of business yeah which which could be an opportunity, so if you accept the the capitalistic system with competition and let the best product win uh, in that innovation system, advertising is a very important agent because it can make new ideas win or new ideas fail fast, mm-hmm. and it can kick out old ideas that is not uh, relevant anymore yeah. The problem now, I believe, is that a lot of campaigns, they're not even targeting anything. They're just trying to add uh, to the and say, hey, you can have uh, us as well. And why that is, is probably because, you know, once again, the ownership is like in the top. You have these big players that are owning both the vegan alternative, but they're also owning uh, the rainforest meat (laughs) industry. It's like the same players. Yeah. Uh I think there you might have one of the answers, and but I have seen a few uh startups and yeah. young, new, new kind of food that actually have they have a solution, and they're also aggressively going after someone, and I think that is what advertising should do. You should have an alternative, and then you should use that to the maximum to kick out something uh then we might. Uh, you know, applaud advertising. But if you just use advertising to just add and they own, like if you see your competitor being uh people's uh leisure time you know like you know what is your competitor uh, and you know one player might say well that is that people are sleeping too much you know like or you're know, like i've heard those kind of stupid uh sayings from cmos so you know like uh you know no our competition is not like it's uh that people don't understand how good it is to blah 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 you know like come on people need to sleep people need to love people need other stuff but when they need something to eat, it would be yeah. really good if you come like your product would yeah. be the vegan alternative and then you kick out the non-vegan alternatives. Yeah. Then then advertising is good. And I don't see that much in uh in uh the in sectors where, for example, transport, you know, you know, it's it's not like where are the train campaigns that are aggressively going after airliners? Where are the yep. uh yeah, where true. are the um you know Co the the co-owned car uh, services that are yep. aggressively going after SUVs. Yep. You know, that kind of uh, marketing campaigns is what I believe could justify the industry. Uh, if not, you know, why should we have them? There's better activists going after the SUV owners and you know uh, their tires.
0: And, and I suppose what you're talking about there is brands and product, or, or brands and advertising in the messaging communication being more you know like an activist calling out being more but that takes them to be much more educated themselves around the 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 more sustainable aspects of what it is that they are doing and also not to be greenwashing on that which you know just you, you campaigning it out but actually having their house in order and and making sure that they do what they say and they say what they do and it's all you know it's not a version of the truth it's the absolute truth this is what we do and and that of course gets back into the re-engineering of businesses you know because many of them haven't been designed like you said some of these startup social impact businesses that have started out from the get-go with this very clear path um they don't have to reverse into into that element and and try and untangle where they've got to they can they can have that very clear path i wonder if that with the right education the right communication you you, you know could be the shift that is the catalyst for 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 businesses to who can't transition quickly Um, many maybe many some of these smaller impact social companies would be would be almost pushing them out of the market I mean, like you say, it's difficult when they own everything and and yeah. often they're then investing in these social impact businesses to kind of keep them close you know keep you keep your competitors even closer type of thing but but yeah it's a it's a real dilemma
1: yeah, and the I think a problem is the ownership structure because um so many companies are owned uh, through the stock exchange and the biggest uh, owners on the stock exchange are players that want a certain amount of uh, dividend or uh, profit or value uh, every uh, day. It's like they're measured at least every third month or so, whereas true innovation usually takes, uh, or remodeling to your point, a company uh, that usually takes a few years uh some of the best companies are built uh over and and if you look at uh companies in general uh it actually seems like family owned businesses big ones are performing better over time uh than uh a lot of big companies that are comparable on the stock exchange so i think And and there we have an opportunity to change that because a lot of the biggest players on the stock exchange are owned by us through our pension funds. Yeah. Yeah. So we, if we really want to, but the problem is again that there there are so many political connections there (laughs) that that it's hard to say. Well, let's let's you know uh, shift up a little bit, yeah, and and focus on like true innovation. Let's help remodeling these companies. Uh, And I think one of the reasons why I bring this up is because I have this experience from um, I I got Scandinavian Airlines to actually go and look into uh, offering train at uh, shorter haul distances. Uh, That was a business concept that I developed uh, for Scandinavian Airlines uh, management team in 2007 when the Inconvenient Truth came. And we actually built Uh, the digital infrastructure, and we even launched that. So we offered uh, our travelers a possibility to choose the train uh, to go to an airport that could then um, offer you a long-haul flight. So if I were to fly to New York uh, through Stockholm, I live in Gothenburg, I could take the train to Stockholm, and by doing so, reducing CO2. And that would be a true way to actually reducing CO2. And then that would lead to... Remodeling Scandinavian Airline into a traveling company that puts, uh, or even not even traveling, maybe more like a, a meeting and relationship company that would offer everything from what we use today, Zoom, to uh, you know places where people could have hybrid meetings. That was the vision, and the first step in that vision was to operate trains, and we actually managed to start that. That project uh, was something that rendered me uh, another silver lion. But that project was discontinued uh, two years later because uh, the owners felt like Skandinavian Airlines needed to be more profitable. They needed to fix their business. Uh, And by doing so, they said, you need to get rid of all these new ideas that are not profitable. Uh, Mm -hmm. Focus on what you can get profit on in the short term. And then (laughs) was actually one of the most profitable Uh, routes was between Stockholm and Gothenburg. So they discontinued the project and then they came back to me with a brief saying, can you make an ad about how much better it is to take a plane on this short-haul distance? And the only way I could come up with an engaging ad was to play the guilt card. So I did an ad where, because you only save like 30 minutes or one hour and the only time 30 minutes or one hour is important for any person. Is if you have very small children, you yeah. need to pick them up at daycare. So we did an ad to that played the guilt card that uh, that showed that you know you can be one hour more with your ch- child if you take the plane instead. And so, I did that ad, and you know it totally broke my heart. You know yeah. I was like that uh, that okay, so this is what I've become. You know, like I've become yeah. someone who you know really try working hard, really believe in something, and then someone comes and is like, nah, listen. I need money now. Now do this instead. So with that was one of many experiences. Uh, I mean, I got a brief to greenwash uh, Aramco, uh, to make them look more green before their IPO, you know, the biggest oil company in the world. So I looked at that brief. I was like, okay, so I'm going to do this. And, you know, I I got so many briefs that just made me want to puke. Uh, and in the end, I was like, this is what the well, it's gonna be worse. Every year it's gonna be worse. Uh unless we disrupt the system from the outside. Uh we need to change this from the outside. If you have the privilege to do it, and I have, uh you should. So I, I try to uh to uh you know go out from the business and 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 you know, I paid off a little bit on my mortgage on my house so I could live in a in a good way without you know having so much costs uh and lower my salary. And that made me have the privilege to work for. Uh, an NGO. And not all people can do that. But if you can, I think you should.
2: Which I guess brings me nicely into uh, my question around, you talk about changing it from the outside. Do you believe, what's your view on the people that work for, you know, the most harmful, impactful industries? Do you think they should try and drive change from within or do you think they should leave and, and do it from the outside? Or is there a balance?
1: That depends on on what what it is. Uh, I mean, I don't believe that uh, the oil companies like um, you know the Shell, BP, uh, Prime, Total, like all those have to be dismantled. Uh, they're they're having so little. Uh, I mean, if you were to take away the damaging part of their industry and just keep uh, what is uh, renewables, they would be such small players that it doesn't matter anyway, really. Uh, so, I think if you help them uh you you uh you are helping to wreck the pl- the planet like don't work for them refuse to work for them because they are not a part of the solution and they can't because the scale of things are so uh so for example preem which is an oil company here in Sweden they have made together with the big the, the most awarded agencies in Sweden uh were are working for them or have been working for them and for 10 years those agencies have helped them do marketing about how sustainable they are but in 10 years' time, they have had 98% uh, fossil uh, production in the refineries, uh, exporting two-thirds. And they have not changed that uh, mix in 10 years.
0: No. But
1: but they made marketing for 10 years about sustainability. Shocking. And this is something that these people, these individuals, of which many of them are my friends, uh are, or have paid for their, uh, you know, their vacations and their, uh, you know, uh, their houses and, and all that. I don't think they should work for them. But if you work for um, an airliner, you know, maybe we need a little bit of uh, of the uh, uh, marketing to keep the market working. So, for example, I believe that airliners should be allowed to do a search word, uh, so that we keep a competition between. Them, but they should not be allowed to do lifestyle. Uh, so, if you work with search for Scandinavian Airlines, for example, I would say, yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's okay because you you make a functioning marketing uh, go when there is a true need. Yeah. But if you do lifestyle, trying to make people that are in love to to prove their love, travel to, to Paris. To live, yeah. Yeah. To go to Paris, uh, that is not morally okay. And then when it comes to uh, you know meat consumption, that is uh, also complicated. Uh, I understand it's hard to to change it from the inside, but you know it's we, we just have to reduce how, how much meat we're eating. Uh, if you have the opportunity to change people's uh, behavior uh, when it comes to eating, which which is to a large extent uh, scared by the investments in advertising, uh, I think it's morally uh, right to Try to deliberately push people towards uh, vegan alternatives, Uh, and if you if you have the opportunity to do that and you don't do it, then it's also something that is like morally wrong, Mm -hmm. because you have the opportunity to actually make people eat more vegan, and then you should try to make them do that. And then when it comes to uh, transport system and all these things, well, I mean, it all starts becoming more and more grayish, you know, because like uh, if we co if we own electric cars together through an app, I believe that's a part of a solution, yeah. whereas if everyone is buying uh, unnecessarily big uh, hybrid uh, cars with electricity and uh, a little bit of fossils and blah blah, that's a part of the problem. But on that scale, <laughs> you have have a lot of things that are a little bit hard to to judge, and then I would say, well, I guess I should be grateful if there are really smart and concerned people working with that because then they could make these kind of judgments instead of saying don't work with them and then it just will be the assholes working with those kind of things right <laughs> so it's like so there is as you can hear some kind of you know gray area that uh, yeah, yeah. you need to have some kind of focus and in the end of the day i think the absolute best thing would be that it's not really up to uh individuals or uh, even agencies or companies it would be much better if that was up to the politicians to decide through uh people power, you know, that like regulated like we did with cigarettes, because it's there is no creatives or advertising agencies that are yeah. fighting to get Marlboro back as yeah. a fight. <laughs> no, it's like we really want to work yeah. with Lucky Strike. Let's <laughs> yeah. do a campaign. Yeah. Lucky strike back. I want the pitch for you know, it's like that is not happening, and that is exactly how it's going to be. If you if you if you blacklist uh, the oil company, oil majors, yeah. it's not like it'll be a single creative that will miss them. They will just be happy about working with something else. So it's just stupid that we don't just just do it. Take the plug. Home.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh wow! So we have talked a about so many different aspects there, good stuff, and it's fascinating to hear about your background and and all the great. Uh, work that you are now involved in and have been and some of the things that you've executed it's very interesting about that scheme that you talked about because that's really rethinking business isn't it that's rethinking how business operates and and how it can serve and and that idea that it's not just an airline it's a it's a service of transporting and meeting and 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 getting people from where they are and you're doing that with always the consideration at what cost you know is this the most ethical responsible way that we can that we can deliver business but of course you know the challenges you as you saw two years later that was pulled because it's profit 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 at any cost you know and that's 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 when organizations lose that that moral ground um and of course it'll be interesting you know like you say I mean I think is it Alan Jope of Unilever. Nobody's going to be interested in buying anything in a world on fire or underwater. So you know things things seriously need to change. Who, who is it going Are to you sell? sure
1: about that? Are you in sure that? about that though? Because that's funny. Because I actually think it's the opposite. That like if you allow venture capitalists to to operate the way they do now. I'm pretty sure that they will try to sell something to me when I'm standing there and my house isn't fire. They will it's give me something. Wages. And say, oh, would you co-own a fire extinguisher with your neighbors? Now, if you sign up now, you can get two. But <laughs> oh my you know, gosh. Like, that is exactly how it works. Like there is absolutely no <gasps> yeah. limit to oh. what they will make money on. And oh. you see that. You will see venture capital-backed insurance companies that are insuring. Exactly those houses on that you're mentioning that are about to be drowned, right yeah yep. the only difference is that that insurance company will have found a model on how they can make money on tragedy. And that is exactly how it works, and that is just capitalism. It needs to be uh, somehow it's an animal that needs that uh, a certain kind of uh, you know, leech and cage <laughs> uh, but when you know being uh, in, in that position you, you can actually use. Capitalism to uh, to be something that can spark uh, like a high level of innovation and all that. So yeah. I'm not saying that there is something wrong with competition. The problem is when you let that just go haywire and do whatever it, you know, and you're not steering it.
2: Yeah. So we like to ask all our guests the same three quick fire questions to wrap up the show. And I have absolutely loved this conversation today. Um, (laughs) Our first question to you is, can marketing save the planet?
1: It can be a part of saving the planet. Perfect.
2: Yep. Ache, ache. It can
1: also ruin the planet. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Well, that it is also an answer. So I guess yes, if it can ruin the planet, I guess it can also save it somehow. <laughs> yep. Yeah,
0: yeah. And what do you hope business looks like, good stuff, in ten years' time?
1: I think businesses uh, are more in line with uh, you know how we feel in our bodies. Now this is a very hippie uh, answer, but I believe that we don't we, we will not work if we're tired. Yeah. Uh, we will work less if we are worried we will work more if we have energy and feel excited uh, it will be more in line with uh, the weather with uh, where the sun is in your particular area we will work with outdoor things when the sun is out we will uh work with things that that you know maybe we will uh spend more time with our gardens in the autumn because then it makes sense like I live on an island and right now I'm a little bit stressed that I don't have time to pick all the uh the berries yep. that are on the island I really need to fill my fridge I feel because I want to have those berries in the fridge and also want to make some uh, lemonade and you know these kind of things now I want I want a, a job where this is taken into consideration uh so I believe businesses will be modeled Uh, closer to bodies and nature.
2: Yeah, I love that. And I hope school systems are changed to model that as well, to be honest. Um, And our final question, and I know you've given so much advice, but if you were to give just one piece of advice to others around getting started with sustainable marketing or advertising, what would it be?
1: Uh, Try to work less.
0: Wonderful. So um, Gustav, that's been a real joy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It was a really nice conversation.